in three and two and one. Hi, everybody. Tim Anderson here, the appraiser's advocate. Thanks for sitting down with me today for this podcast. We're talking real estate appraisal, and today we're going to talk about what's important now in USPAP. Today's podcast doesn't cover one topic, as is usually the case. Rather, we're going to talk about a number of issues that I see as important in the foreseeable future. There are so many such topics, but here, today, we'll touch on the more timely ones. First, we'll cover iBuyers, market value, investment value, and then we're going to cover bias as well as some other topics iBuyers have not been a major force in the local residential real estate markets in the past, but this is about to change as more iBuyers invest in single-family residences for both long-term and short-term investments. iBuyers don't purchase homes on a retail basis. They purchase investments on a wholesale basis. As a result, they have a different set of base motivations than does the typical retail residential home buyer. Since they have different base motivations, what they pay to purchase a single-family residence is not market value. Rather, it's investment value. Investment value and market value have two completely different definitions. I invite you to look them up. Thus, a property purchased under the definition of investment value is not a comparable sale to a property purchased under the definition of market value. Don't confuse those definitions. Don't confuse those sales. Unless you have an MBA or specialized formal education, investment analysis is well outside your wheelhouse. Such analyses require some advanced spreadsheet skills iBuyers purchase cash flow, income tax advantages, an inflation shelter, an appreciating asset, returns on and of investment, and so forth. Thus, the analyses of a real estate investment require an entirely different skills set and an entirely different competency level than does appraising for a GSE. Don't go there unless you are fully prepared and trained in the analysis of investment types of real property. From iBuyers, let's consider that in most markets in the U.S. in the past 48 months, the trend of price increases has been torrid. This has attracted iBuyers to the market, but interest rates were as low as 2.5% as recently as three months before this podcast. However, since the Fed has increased general interest rates, mortgage interest rates, first mortgage interest rates, have followed that trend. Currently, those first mortgage interest rates are within shouting distance of 5.5%. As a result, typical buyers have canceled contracts, inventories of available housing have increased, those torrid rates of increase have leveled off, and in some cases, asking prices have dropped. But iBuyers pay cash, so they can take advantage of interest rate fluctuations. But you already know all of this. So what's so important about all this now? What's important now is what appraisers are doing about these changes. Did your comp sell at a purchase price that assumed financing at 2.5%? 
If interest rates are now over 5%, that means the comp would have sold for less if it had sold in the current market. This means either a downward time adjustment or a downward cash equivalency adjustment. Not to make one of these adjustments is going to require advanced wordsmithing skills as you try to explain this lack of such adjustment to the client. The GSEs have researchers whose sole job it is to amass such data to build them into their value-projecting algorithm. As far as the GSEs are concerned, with incredibly few exceptions, the accuracy and reliability of your appraisal is not a function of the quality of your work. If your value opinion and the algorithm's value projection are too far apart from each other, you're wrong unless and until you can prove yourself otherwise. Speaking of accuracy and reliability, 6 to 48 months from now, homeowners will begin to refinance their mortgages. Irrational exuberance in a hot market may have caused those buyers to pay a price for that house out of a frenzy, and that frenzy caused the price to be too high. Therefore, it's entirely possible that when those homeowners go to refinance, they'll find themselves underwater or with too little equity to refinance. At that point, they'll seek scapegoats. And appraisers will be an attractive target with the deep pockets of an E&O policy to draw on. So what's important right now is documentation in the work file. In the work file must be market support for every adjustment, every conclusion, every trend. In short, there must be proper documentation in the work file of the market support for everything in the appraisal and report. Your work file shows how you complied with USPAP in reaching your value conclusion and in communicating that conclusion to your client. When there is such support, Plaintiffs will be frustrated in their efforts to make you the scapegoat for their irrational exuberance. In addition, it will be very easy for your state appraisal board to conclude you followed Standard 1 in forming your value conclusion and you followed Standard 2 in reporting it. We can control our work files, but there are other forces out there over which we have no control. One of these is charges of racism. Our critics continue to scream appraisers are racists. Those baseless claims make for good press, and the appraisal industry itself is too fractured, too fractious, and too weak to organize to refute them. While appraisers are no more racist than any other group of professionals, real estate appraisal has a base in the redlining and racial segregation that was the norm from 1932, the founding of what is now the FHA, to 1977. 1977 was the year the old American Institute of Real Estate Appraisers, the Society of Real Estate Appraisers, and the Department of Justice settled their differences. That settlement called for those appraisal organizations to remove from their books, classrooms, seminars, pamphlets, etc., any references to racial homogeneity as a necessary component of value. As a result of our critics' generally baseless claims, we'll see forced on us changes in the way we do what we do. One such change will likely be less dependence on the sales comparison approach in the typical GSE appraisal. 
there will be more emphases on the cost and income approaches. We'll also see greater use of evaluations, AVMs, and appraisal waivers in an attempt to remove racial considerations from value conclusions. What's ironic is that evaluations, AVMs, and appraisal waivers really don't have this capacity. To make these changes will also require appraisers to undergo a lot more education in the basic three approaches, report writing, sensitivity training, as well as highest and best use analyses. For these and other reasons, it's likely we'll continue to see the number of real estate appraisers decrease. What is unfortunate is that the majority of the decrease will be among the older, more experienced, more seasoned, more world-savvy appraisers. This means there will be fewer supervisors and fewer mentors to train and motivate new appraisers. While all professions suffer from the attrition of the old and the wise, there are usually new practitioners coming in behind them. Unfortunately, too, is the fact that in real estate appraisal, that is not now the case. We must find ways to attract not merely people to the business, but we must find ways to attract the tech savvy, the computer savvy, the logistics savvy, the wordsmith savvy person to real estate appraisal. We continue to search for those people. There is just so much happening now in appraisal world. How are we to keep up? Please continue to listen to this podcast. Listen to the other real estate appraisal podcasts out there. Get involved with your state coalition of appraisers. Attend one or two national real estate appraisal conventions each year. Educate yourself at the university level so you can become that supervisor or mentor. In other words, turn your computer off, get out of your office, and get involved with your real estate appraiser community. This is Tim Anderson, the appraiser's advocate. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to sit down with you at these podcasts. If you have any questions, if I can ever be a help to you, please get in touch with me. My email address is tim at theappraisersadvocate.com. It will be a pleasure to work with you. It will be an honor to hear from you. And now, let me extend my personal best to you and all of yours. And one more thing. Are your professional fees high enough? And we're clear.